Please turn with me in your Bibles now to Acts chapter 12. We're turning for a third time now to this chapter. We began a couple weeks ago considering that great contrast between the power or the presence rather of King Herod and the power of King Jesus. And then last week we considered this text from the angle of the prayers that were made on Peter's behalf and the way that God heard and answered those prayers. And now we're going to return and consider this chapter as a whole. As you'll notice as I read this morning, the beginning of this passage highlights the fact that this took place during the days of unleavened bread. It took over or took place during the Passover. These initial words actually highlight the fact that the timing of these events occurred at the same time that the people of God were celebrating what God had done in the Exodus by way of the Passover. And what we have here in Acts chapter 12 is actually an echo of the Exodus. We hear of another great time in which God freed his people miraculously. And again, boys and girls, the question I had for you is, why would we as New Testament Christians sing of the Exodus? Why would God give us those songs and say, sing these to me in praise and in worship? Well, we're going to consider the reason for that as we consider this echo of the Exodus this morning. So let's give our careful attention to the word of God. The whole chapter, Acts chapter 12, this is God's word. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door regarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. 
But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened it, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Amen. This is the word of God. In some ways... The entire Bible is a book about an exodus. The gospel itself can be described as good news in the forms of an exodus. Because in the gospel, we see how God entered into this broken world to lead his own people out of it and into a promised land. The book of Exodus describes the way in which God delivered his own people out of their slavery in Egypt. Israel was found there in a helpless state, and so they cried out to God, and he heard them. He remembered his covenant promises and sent to them Moses, this one who would lead them out. And so Moses performed many miracles to demonstrate God's power, and through these, Israel went forth from Egypt. Well, ever since that time, the Exodus has served as a powerful picture of the salvation that would later come through Jesus Christ. The exodus was intended to portray this great deliverance for all of God's people. Jesus was foreshadowed by Moses. Just as Moses was sent into Egypt to lead Israel out, so too was Jesus sent into this world to redeem all of his own. Just like Moses, he came performing signs and wonders. And just like Moses, Jesus interceded for a sinful people. Moses offered up his own life, but Jesus was the one who actually laid down his life to redeem his people from their sins. Well, as we consider again Acts chapter 12, we see that God did not stop being the God of the Exodus after the resurrection of Jesus. Instead, we have in this vivid or in this chapter a vivid picture of an exodus to cause us to see, to recognize, and to appreciate the exodus intended for us all through Jesus Christ. 
Well, I've entitled the sermon this morning an echo of the Exodus because it is, an echo is something that reverberates the same exact sounds many times over. And this idea of the Exodus is found throughout God's word, offering us many different angles to hear and to appreciate the great work of Jesus in the life of all of his people. And so my question for you this morning is, can you hear these echoes of the Exodus within your own life? Not only do we hear these echoes reverberating throughout the word of God, but we should also hear them reverberating within our own lives. You see, it is possible to appreciate the Exodus story as just that, as a story. Because it is a grand story with a, a tremendous plot line and, and an amazing outcome. It is possible to appreciate the Exodus story as a powerful story. But it is intended to get us to long for the Exodus provided for us in Jesus Christ. It is intended that we look past the Exodus story itself to that greater deliverance given to us in Jesus Christ, to experience it personally, savingly. And so that is why my question for you this morning is, can you hear the echo of the Exodus within your own heart and life? We're going to consider this morning four different echoes of the Exodus as they're found here in Acts chapter 12. So let's begin by considering first an echo of slavery an echo of slavery. The book of Exodus begins by describing this powerful oppression against God's people at the hand of Pharaoh. The book of Genesis ends by describing how God had blessed Egypt through Joseph and had powerfully sustained them through this worldwide famine. But then sadly, as the book of Exodus begins, a new Pharaoh has ascended the throne and he has forgotten about Joseph and the reason why God's people were even in their presence. And so this Pharaoh, seeing the multitude of Israelites within their presence, seeing their potential for a powerful revolt, he decides to set harsh taskmasters over the Israelites to increase the severity of their servitude. And so what began or what seemed like a reasonable relationship between the Egyptians and the Israelites, it devolved into an oppressive slavery. And things simply grew worse and worse for God's people so that at the end of Exodus chapter 2, God's people cry out to God. It says the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They groaned because in Egypt they were in a miserable estate of slavery. They were under the control of a wicked and a ruthless man in Pharaoh. Pharaoh was so wicked that he ordered that all of the Hebrew boys be murdered at birth so that Israel would not grow too strong. And Israel groaned because of the harsh conditions of their slavery. The taskmasters appointed by Pharaoh were given the task of making sure that the slavery of the Israelites was harsh. The taskmasters then intentionally burdened them with heavy burdens. They made their lives bitter with hard labor. And that is why the people of God groaned because of their slavery. 
Well, here in Acts chapter 12, we have an echo of that same slavery. In our text, there is another wicked ruler. Instead of Pharaoh, we now read of Herod. And here in our text, we see that both Pharaoh and Herod hope to use death as a powerful tool to promote their own authority. Pharaoh had all of the baby boys in Egypt executed, and Herod here puts James to death by the sword. In the book of Exodus, Pharaoh set those harsh taskmasters over Israel to keep them in their captivity. Well, here we have read and we've considered before how Herod was was eager and intentional to keep Peter enslaved. He was bound by two chains to two guards. More guards were at the cell door and uh, others guarding the prison. The city gate itself was locked to make escape impossible. And so as we begin this text, we see here, we hear here an echo of slavery. In ancient times, Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And then later we come to Peter being enslaved in Herod's prison. So what does that mean for you and me? What is the echo that we are intended to hear in this echo of slavery? Well, in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking with a group of Jews, and Jesus says to them, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jews responded to that word saying, we are the offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. And so Jesus responded to them saying, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now there are two things that we need to notice and learn from what Jesus said to the Jews. The first is the comprehensive nature of of mankind's enslavement to sin. Jesus said, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Do you practice sin? Are you a sinner? Romans 3 says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. God's word teaches us that all of mankind is enslaved to sin. This means that I was born as a slave to sin. And this means that you, each and every one of you, was born as a slave to sin. But next, we also need to notice the deceitful nature of mankind's enslavement to sin. Right there in Jesus' interaction with the Jews, they had failed to recognize their own enslavement to sin. Though they were at that very moment indeed slaves to sin, they were boasting as if they were free. In their enslavement, they were so deceived by sin that they thought that their slavery was a form of freedom. Well, such is the deceitful nature of mankind's enslavement to sin. You and I can similarly think that we are free while we are presently enslaved to sin. And so my question for you now is, do you hear the echo of this slavery in your own life? Have you come to recognize that point? Or have you come to the point where you have recognized that, yes, you indeed were born a slave to sin? When you hear of Israel's enslavement in Egypt, 
Do you hear something that echoes your own enslavement to sin? When you read of Peter's enslavement in in Herod's prison, do you read of something that mirrors your own enslavement to sin? Do you recognize sin as a harsh taskmaster who afflicted you with heavy burdens and set around you guards and chains and prison doors, and a city gate to keep you enslaved until death. Romans 6.16 warns us that slavery to sin leads to death. Pharaoh aimed to enslave the Israelites from cradle to grave. And Herod here aimed to enslave Peter only until he could execute him. Well, similarly, sin enslaves. And leads to death. And so hearing this echo of slavery, we need to go on to consider next an echo of salvation. Suffering in this slavery, Israel cried out to, to, uh, cried out to God. The end of Exodus chapter 2 says, The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God saw the people of Israel and knew. He saw them in their enslavement, and he knew. These words are found at the end of Exodus chapter 2, and what's really beautiful about their placement in the text is that the rest of the chapter, the beginning of Exodus chapter 2, is actually taken up with the beginning of God's plan to rescue Israel out of their enslavement. Before the Israelites ever cried out to God for rescue, God had already set in motion his plan to bring them up out of their slavery. Exodus chapter 2 is all about the birth of Moses and the way in which he was hidden and then found by Pharaoh's daughter and actually raised in Pharaoh's home to be the redeemer of God's people out of their slavery. Well, you know how the events unfolded. Moses was sent by God to lead his people out of Egypt, and he was equipped with signs and wonders so that Israel and Egypt and all of the nations of the world would know that the Lord is God. And so as God's messenger, Moses came and prepared God's people to be ready. They were told to eat the Passover meal, prepared for an exodus. And then when the time came, the angel of the Lord passed through Egypt, killing the firstborn of every household that was not covered by the blood of the Passover lamb. And when this occurred, Israel was powerfully expelled out of Egypt. Well, can you hear the echoes of the first Passover here in Peter's experience? An angel of the Lord is sent into that deep darkness of Peter's enslavement. He was awaiting a sure execution. He was chained and heavily guarded, and it all seemed so hopeless. But the church was gathered together, praying on Peter's behalf, crying out to God. God heard their cries, and God knew. Even as these prayers ascended to God, God had already begun to bring about Peter's release. The first exodus was accomplished by signs and wonders, while here in our text, Peter's chains fall off. 
The guards are of no effect. Peter and the angel simply walk out of a locked prison, and you hear echoes in the angel's words to Peter, get up quickly, dress yourself, put on your sandals, wrap your cloak around you, and followed me. The angel of the Lord readied Peter in the same way that Moses readied Israel. But then most importantly, we hear an echo of salvation in the end of both stories. In the book of Exodus, it seems as though God's salvation may fall short as Israel comes to the Red Sea. Because Pharaoh has changed his mind and he has gone after Israel with his army and he is suddenly closing in on them quickly. And then suddenly the Red Sea itself parts. And God's people are able to walk through as if on dry ground. And similarly, Peter, in his escape from that prison, comes to a locked gate for the city. And what does that gate do? Like the Red Sea, it simply swings open. Do you hear the echo of this salvation in your own life? God put this pattern throughout his holy word so that you would see it, recognize it, appreciate it, and lay hold of it for yourself. In the first exodus, thousands of lambs were killed so that the doorpost of believing households might be covered and passed over. Well, here in Peter's exodus, the church is seeking his salvation, if you will, by praying to the Lamb of God who was just slain, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, both Israel's salvation and Peter's salvation are intended to turn our attention to a greater salvation. So have you experienced this salvation in your own life? Have you come to the point where you recognize yourself as a slave to sin, as one who is destined to die and incur God's wrath? Do you know that your slavery to sin would otherwise lead to death? And do you hear in this text echoes of how God has provided for your salvation through the pure and spotless Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you cried out to God out of your slavery? Have you looked here into God's word and seen the ways in which he will respond to his people on the basis of his promises? Have you cried out to him, weary of the wicked taskmaster of sin, because God will hear your cries, he will save. In one of the next prison scenes that we'll come across here in the book of Acts, the jailer who enslaves Paul and Silas comes to realize he's actually the one enslaved to his own sin. And so he asks Paul and Silas, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is simple and glorious. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do those words echo within your own heart and soul? Have you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation? Well, we need to go on now to consider another echo. So third, let's consider an echo of judgment. There is more reverberating throughout our text. In the original Exodus, the angel of the Lord passes through Egypt, bringing judgment upon every household that is not covered by that blood of the Passover lamb. But that 
that judgment was just the beginning. Again, Pharaoh was so fed up with the Israelites that he told Israel and Moses to go because his firstborn had just died and there was similar suffering in all of the Egyptian households so that Pharaoh told Israel to go. But that suffering did not change Pharaoh's heart. Instead, he went out after Israel with his army. And as you know, they came to the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. Well, Pharaoh and his army went in after them. And you know what happened. God brought down the waters of the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh and his army, bringing them down in judgment. You see, when God saves his own, it means judgment for all of God's enemies. Look at what he does here in Acts chapter 12. When Peter is finally free, Herod comes to investigate, and he sees that his sentries have not done their job to keep Peter in prison, and what happens? He has them executed. But it doesn't stop there. There's more judgment. The chapter ends by telling us of how Herod himself came to judgment. The people of Tyre and Sidon meet with Herod and hear his oration. They cry out to him, the voice of a God and not a man. And because Herod is like the pharaohs of old, the pharaohs believed they were divine. And now Herod succumbs to the same temptation and he refuses to give glory to God. And so an angel of the Lord strikes him down dead. Just like Pharaoh and his whole army hear Herod and his men come down in judgment. So why do we need to hear the echoes of judgment? Well, I believe that this judgment is given to us for two takeaways. The first is a warning to any of us here who refuse this morning to find refuge in Jesus Christ. You see, the wages of sin is death, and it is appointed for man to die and then come to judgment. Pharaoh believed that he was a god and beyond anyone's judgment. For most of his life, he lived as if he were free, though he was enslaved to sin. He lived as if he would never face the judgment of God, but at the very moment appointed by God, Pharaoh was brought down in judgment. In a similar way, here Herod thought he could escape God's judgment. He thought that he was God-like and that he would never have to answer to God himself. But at the very moment appointed by God, Herod was struck down in judgment. And so here in the word of God, we have a warning that God's judgment is fixed. It is set. We are not guaranteed another year, another month, another week, another day, another hour. And one of the greatest, most powerful temptations is to believe that you can find rescue in Christ later. Which is why God's word says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you have not yet found refuge in Christ, remember the glorious promise of the gospel. If you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Today we all have the same warning. 
in this warning is a gracious evidence of God's patience with us. That he sets before us again the reality of judgment and at the same time offers to us salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, second, beyond the warning for us all, there is a promise here for God's people. We need this promise as the people of God. You see, in both the original Exodus and in Peter's Exodus here, we find that the people of God are suffering greatly at the hands of God's enemy. But then, as both texts clearly show, God never lost sight of his people. He heard their cries. God saw and God knew. So what did God know? When it says that he knew, what does God know when the people of God cry out and God turns his attention to them? Well, in 2 Peter 2, Peter is writing to a church suffering at the hands of God's enemies. And here he is writing, obviously, because of our text today, he is writing as one who has suffered the same. And so he reminds them that the Lord knows. What does the Lord know? Listen to Peter's words. 2 Peter 2. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Hear it again. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passions and despise authority. Brothers and sisters, do you hear The word of God this morning, the Lord knows. Remember that the Lord knows how to rescue you, his people, from every trial. Listen, we may be called upon to endure great suffering at the hands of a Pharaoh or a Herod. And when we do, we need to have echoing in our souls this judgment so that we will be reminded that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial. He did so with Israel in Egypt. He did so with Peter in prison. And he will do so for each and every one of his own until they are brought safely into his eternal home. In this echo of judgment, remember that the Lord knows how to rescue you from the ungodly. That brings us then to our final echo this morning. So let's consider finally an echo of joy. After each exodus, the people of God are filled with joy. 
After the original Exodus, Moses and the people of Israel sing a beautiful song to the Lord. Listen to some of the words that were coming up out of their souls in praise to God. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed and you have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You will bring in your people. You will plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Obviously, the people of Israel were filled with great joy, and they responded by giving this kind of praise to God. Well, consider the same joy that filled the church's heart when Peter was brought out through his own exodus. When Rhoda comes to the door, someone's knocking at the door, she goes and she hears who is there, and she hears Peter's voice. She is so overjoyed that she doesn't even answer the door but she runs outside to tell this, or runs inside to tell this praying church, listen, Peter's outside. And the church is gathered there praying for Peter, but this answer to their prayers is so unbelievable that they don't even believe it. They're standing there going back and forth, arguing about whether or not Peter's outside until Peter's continued knocking bring them outside to see for themselves, and the church stands there amazed. I wonder if they were using God's work in the exodus of old to encourage their own hearts. Maybe God can bring Peter and then Peter motions with his hand and he silences them and he tells them, he recounts for them all that God has done. And what do they do? They hear echoes of the exodus. They hear of his slavery, of his salvation, of judgment. And then they are filled with great joy. Imagine them being able then to take the psalms upon their lips, these songs in which we sing of the exodus, and they get to sing of it again because in Peter's exodus, everyone's exodus is here represented. And this is why we sing psalms and give praise to God for, ex for an exodus that happened long ago, for many exoduses that have happened throughout the word of God and throughout the history of the church, and it happened each and every time a soul is saved. The people of God were filled with great joy. Do you hear that echo in your own heart and life? Are you filled with a similar joy? Do you know what it's like to gather with God's people and to lift up your voice with the redeemed? to express a joy that is 
inexpressible. Perhaps this is some of what Peter had in mind when he wrote these words in 1 Peter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is why we are here to worship. May God rekindle our hearts this morning with that joy inexpressible and filled with glory as we remember here echoes of our exodus. Because we were all once slaves to sin. Paul writes in Romans 6, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. In Christ, we have salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we have been delivered from judgment for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And now in Jesus, we have this joy inexpressible. And so we can look forward to what our present joy longs for and borrows from. Listen to the words of Jude 24. Here is our joy both now and then. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let us pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for your word, which sets before us once again that great work of the Lord Jesus Christ who was promised and then came according to that promise to accomplish our salvation and to redeem each and every one of his own. Lord, we recognize that we each were enslaved to sin and we thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ we who were once slaves to sin have now become slaves to God. We thank you for so great a salvation 
And we pray that as we continue on in this life, that we would be filled with joy. Lord, we deserve the judgment that we see in the original Exodus. We, we deserve the same judgment that we see here in Herod. We deserve a judgment that would last for all eternity. And yet Christ came to take upon himself that judgment so that you might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. And so we pray that you would once again rekindle our hearts and fill us with joy inexpressible. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done and continue to do for us. We thank you that one day, even now, as we can be filled with a great degree of joy, we can look forward and know one day we are going to know a joy that is incomprehensible. Let us borrow from that joy even now on our pilgrim journey, knowing that you will safe, bring each of us safely into that heavenly home. We praise you. We worship you. We ascribe to you all glory, honor, and praise as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn together in our psalm books now to Psalm 107. We're going to sing the A selection, which says, Let the redeemed of the Lord declare his praise. And as those who have been redeemed, may we give expression to that joy inexpressible using the word of God. Let's stand and sing together Psalm 107A.
people of God.